If you want, you can turn to um, Josh, or Judges chapter 2. We'll be there just a little in a little bit. Along with our theme and just kind of what we're singing, let me just uh, read um, another old Puritan um, prayer, okay? It's called Valley of Vision. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the Valley of Vision, where I live in the depths, but see thee in the heights. I'm hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from the deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. So let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, and that glory, thy glory in my valley. Amen. I don't know if that sounds good or not to you. How does that sound? But it's a place where we go. It's part of the gospel in terms of coming to places of neediness before God, and we experience something um, there. So uh, we've been going through a series, uh, Why Do We Gather? This week and next week, are, we end it. Um, just so you know, next week, we're going to focus specifically on the table, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, and how that wraps, brings together the entire picture of where we've gone over the last however many weeks it's been since uh, um, sometime in August there. Um, today, we're just pulling one piece of our gospel message out and just kind of examining it a little bit closer to let it um, touch our hearts a bit. Um, our key statement was, our corporate gathering is a representation of the gospel in the presence of God and his people for his glory, that was expression, and for our transformation, which was formation. So our, our corporate gathering is for expression and, formation and for formation. We've chosen a simple gospel structure that um, weekly will give shape to what we do here so that um, we can kind of enter in more fully to what's happening, and you can kind of come with an expectation um, and also, the repetition, as we've looked at over and over again of the gospel, works the gospel life into our lives and makes it part of our living. Um, and our gospel is that God is holy, that we're needy, that Jesus redeems, and that we're sent out. Today, we want to focus on the we are needy part, um, th- that part, because it's the, the part I skip um, and tend to go past. I just want to, just a little background on that. There's two aspects on the gospel and the needy part. The first one is the part that all of us who know Christ came to first. And the, the real truth is that we are sinners. That's what the statement is. And so this holy God, and before him, just like um, Isaiah, when he sees him, he says, Woe is me, for I'm a man and unclean lips. We come to some place in the line, in touching the gospel, we, we recognize we're, we're sinners and we are separated from God. And there is, there is no way to make that right. And so when we look at the second part of the gospel, we're needy, it's really for, at that stage of life, it was, we are desperate sinners in need of a Savior. And uh, most of us here at, at some point in our process have come to that place, and we've, we've cast ourselves before him, and we've experienced the redemption, which is the third part that Jesus brought on the cross. But the gospel is for all of living. It's not just for getting saved. The gospel is for all of living as well, is what we looked at. And so as believers... Um, we have been made righteous, it says. We've been made children of God. We're beloved. Um, 
I, I go back and forth. Are we still sinners? We still sin, but our identity is now in Christ. We have a new identity. We've been made people that we were not before. But the gospel message is that we're still needy. It never changes because just as Jesus lived by the power of the Spirit, so we as Christians live by the power of the Spirit. And if we don't, we, we can't live the Christian life. And so Paul even talks about that. He says, you know, you, you guys started out with grace, and then you began to work at it again, all on your own again. And it doesn't work when we do that. So the gospel message, the second part, after we look at a holy God, is that we are still needy people. And, in, and uh, apart from him, we can do nothing. And so as believers, we have to figure out a way to live in that place of recognizing our daily need for the Spirit to do a work in us in order to move us through gospel living. As I said, apart from him, I can do nothing. The key for an abundant life in Christ is entering into that truth, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Failure to see ourselves rightly as in needy in light of God's holiness leaves us trying to live life on our own. And we all have done that, and we do it every week. It happens over and over and over again. And some of us um, here are experts at it, um, and it doesn't work. Our key word to express tonight that we are needy, we're going to use the word brokenness. We're going to talk about what it means to be um, people that are broken. So let me define that for you, where I'm going to go with the word brokenness. Brokenness defined. Brokenness um, is to be an ongoing way of living. It is to live in agreement with God about my absolute need for him and everything. Let me say it again. Brokenness is to be an ongoing way of living. So there's no escaping the neediness all the time. This is supposed to happen all the time. We're supposed to live in this place all the time. An ongoing way of living is to live in agreement with God about my absolute need for him and everything. We can be broken over two things. We can be broken over sin. So when I've sinned, my heart breaks because as a ch- as child of God, I've, I've pursued something that brings no life again. And so we're to be broken over sin. And the great news is we've already been forgiven. We've already been made righteous. We're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And we, we can live in that grace. The second thing, we, we can just be broken over need. Um, and broken isn't isn't, doesn't mean that we're always just crashing to the ground. It's just a, a living in recognition that I am needy. That's being broken. I am needy. We, we run away from that. Um, God welcomes us into that place because into that place is where we find life. Um, Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are what? The poor in spirit. Poor in spirit just recognizes absolute need for God all the time. Um, and he says there's blessing that comes from that. Um, by the way, the Holy Spirit um, can bring us to place of brokenness, and we, I spoke about this a, quite a while ago, but one of the things I encourage is pray that God would give you brokenness, um, a, a spirit of brokenness, a spirit of dependence, because the Holy Spirit can actually produce it in us if the scriptures here say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, brokenness orient, orients my heart and mind to the truth about myself in light of God's design. And the truth about myself is I am... I have been made new in Christ, and I'm his child, but I'm like a child. I absolutely in desperate need of him all the time to walk forward with me. It says no to the world's view that I'm nothing, and it says to my, no to my own lies of thinking that I'm something great. Or maybe for you it's the opposite. The world tells you that you're great, and you're telling yourself you're nothing. I don't know what your issue is, but those are both lies that the world and ourselves tell us. And when we step into brokenness and recognize need, and run to the Savior for it, and reminds us that we're loved and we're embraced, but that we are absolutely dependent on him, absolutely dependent on him and his work. 
Um, the main point tonight is that when I regularly live with an attitude and posture of brokenness, in other words, Lord, I need you always, it shatters my self-will and it shatters my self-reliance and it softens the soil of my heart for the Spirit's daily work. So I think it's up there, but I'm going to read it again. When I regularly live with an attitude and posture of brokenness, it shatters my self-will and self-reliance and it softens the soil of my heart for the Spirit's daily work. Brokenness as an ongoing way of life releases the Spirit produces, to produce lives of refreshment and worship and impact in the world. Interesting, it's that we have God's holiness. What follows is brokenness, this neediness, and what comes out of that? There's, there's fresh redemption, and the end of it is we're sent out to do a work. It becomes this pivot point for the Holy Spirit to get such a hold of our hearts because we're dependent. Then he empowers us in our work. Our, our, our work in the kingdom is, is impacted by our powerlessness without Christ is how it works. Um, so there's a cycle. I think we're all familiar with this, but let's just to kind of understand brokenness a bit and how it can fit into our life all the time. Uh, you can turn to Judges chapter 2. You can almost pick any chapter in Judges and find the cycle. So there's a cycle of, of a brokenness and need there. God desires to bring to us a spirit of brokenness, to live like children, dependent and surrendered to him. So he's put things into place to aid in that happening in our life. Um, because left to ourselves, we, we definitely don't follow the, the right way so often. So Judges chapter 2, um, and this is kind of a, uh, this is one one chapter out of the book, but it's a summary of what happens over and over and over again in this book. If you start with chapter, verse 7 of Judges chapter 2, they're talking about Joshua, and then he dies, and they bury him. Verse 7 says, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. It's interesting that those who had seen God's work, remember his holiness? They're the ones who seem to live in a sense of of a, a right place in their heart because they, they're remembering his holiness and it brought them to a right place. Uh, verse 11, so it starts out that the cycle starts out people serving God, people walking with him. Um, the way we started out in our Christian life, we, we, we stepped out to begin to serve him and walk with him and we we're eager about that. Jump down to verse 11. It says, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and they served the Baals, these other gods. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they went after other gods. The second thing in that cycle is they forsake the Lord. Um, and all that is was turning to substitutes for God. That's all it is. Um, they turn to idols. In this particular case, they're worshiping idols. But we can turn in a myriad of ways to serve idols and things. We look out for substitutes. If I'm not experiencing God's presence and that's not good enough for me, I begin to look for something that will meet that need somewhere else. And we can look for substitutes in all different kinds of things, and we we have all done it. Um, Substitutes for God's purposes and his presence and his ways and his work in our life. And here the Israelites do that. They purposely here sought these idols, but there's this this veering off course that we do. Um, Scriptures, by the way, for us as believers, tells us that when... When Christ came and gave his life, that, that wall of sin was removed, that separation. We have the Holy of Holies is right there. The veil's gone. And we live in that all the time as believers. We are always covered with his righteousness. But when we sin, what do we do? We just, we just go over here. <laughs> I'm going to go this way. And I'm going to do this because it's going to meet something for me. And that's this, that's this forsaking thing. Of course, all that needs to happen is just turning back to here, right? It's just a turning. But we look to something else to fill something that God wants to fill in us. 
And so they, they forsake the Lord and they, they turn and they went away. They pursued substitutes or idols for his purposes, his presence, and his provision. Verse 14, so the Lord gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into their hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand um, their enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. And it says they were in terrible distress. Verse 14, what happens? God disciplines. God brings something along to show them that the path they're on just doesn't bring life. It just doesn't bring life. And so they pursue this way, and God says, okay, you're going to pursue this way. I'm going to let some things happen here to show you just this doesn't work. There's no life here. And so they, he kind of gives them over. And that's, that's we just use the word bondage. That it, it, it sounds like a strong word. But whenever I go this way, and I'm just going to keep going that way, I have, I have aligned my life with something, and I'm not free anymore. Because freedom is found underneath the, the umbrella of Jesus and his, his guides for me. That's where freedom is found. Over here, it's nothing. I'm just stuck pursuing something. So jump ahead to uh, verse uh, 16 or 15 again. It says, they're in terrible distress. Um, Verse 16, and the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Um, whenever the Lord, verse 18, raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies. Um, for the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning, it says, because of those who afflicted and oppressed. So God disciplines. He designed consequences um, that come out of our independent hearts, and he does it to get our hearts to turn because he knows that's where life is. He knows that it's where he wants us. He knows that's what will bring blessing to us. And then when those things happen, they're designed to bring up a cry of brokenness. And the judges can. They were, they were losing their lands. They were losing their people. They were being beaten in the, the wars. And it was very, very specific discipline. And they would cry out in need for him. You know, we know the story. It would go around and around again, right? Over and over again. They cry out. We cry out out of brokenness, um, in distress, and we go, I'm, I'm plundered. This, this avenue I've, I pursued has just brought nothing for me, and I'm in bondage, and it's like my heart has been plundered. And we discover that life doesn't work on our own terms and apart from him, and we realize the poverty of a self-reliant life, the poverty of a self reliant life. Um, and what does God do? We just read it. It says he saved them out of all their places. Um, he rescues them. And the last part of that cycle is that God rescues and God blesses. And in Judges, what happens? They go through it over and over and over and over again. And guess what we do? We go over it and over it and over it and over it again. The good news is God uses things to bring us back to those places again. Um, the bad news, it's, it's exhausting, um, and it's full of, of uh, feelings of defeat and, and struggles, and it's difficult. A um, couple of uh, illustrations in Scripture, some brokenness illustrated here in a, a couple places in Scriptures. If you, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm not going to read it, but you might remember the story of um, Naaman, um, who was a, a commander of the army of Syria, and the Syrian army had invaded Israel, and they had uh, plundered it, um, and taken over, and uh, they had brought these captives back. And it says that Naaman um, was a leper. He was, was covered with leprosy. And so they, um, when they were um, brought back these slaves from Israel, there was a slave girl who said, I wish my master knew about this great prophet back in Israel who can heal people. 
And, um, and so she, she passes the word along, and Naaman hears, oh, there's somebody, a servant comes to him, and he hears, oh, there's somebody back in Israel that actually could heal me of, of my leprosy. And so he wants, uh, the story goes, he actually goes to the king of Syria, that's commander, and says, can you write me a letter? says, I can go there. So they write a letter to the king of Israel, saying, Make, bring this prophet out, heal this guy. And there's a bunch of miscommunication that goes on. But the bottom line is, Naaman heads down to Israel to, to find healing from, from his leprosy. Um, that he wants. Uh, he goes down to meet Elisha, who's the guy, and he takes money with him to pay him. A um, couple things, uh, and we know the story. Uh, Elisha says, he comes to his door, and he's waiting for Elisha to come out, and Elisha doesn't come out and meet this guy. He's the commander of the Syrian army. Um, Elisha stays in his house. He sends his servant out. He says, go tell him to wash in that river, you know, seven times. And, and Naaman's incensed over it. I mean, he says, there's all sorts of other cleaner, cleaner rivers. The guy didn't even come out and talk to me. Um, I'm not going to do it. That's just ridiculous. And his servants kind of beg him, saying, this is, this is for cleansing. You can be changed. And he, he lets it go, um, and he goes in the Jordan River, and he comes out, and he's clean. Um, he's clean. He's cleansed of his leprosy. A couple of things that stand out to me. The first one is, Naaman was a proud person. Um, he, I think he, he, he came expecting Elisha to come out and make a big fanfare about it because he's an important person. Um, he, wasn't, he was willing to go into a clean river, but he wasn't going to go into a dirty river. I mean, the guy's a leper. And, but he's like, that's not the way we do it. You know, you would have done something different for me. And the, the, the enemy of brokenness is self-reliance and, and pridefulness. And it, it, it brings this wall to a life of extra, understanding neediness. And it was there in this, this guy. Fortunately, he stepped past that. Um, he went past that for, for healing. Interesting, too, he came with, um, he came with money to pay for it. Um, how many times have I gone to God thinking, if I do enough right things, that brings the blessing from God? And um, it doesn't work that way. He just says, wash and be clean, um, and just enters in and gives these blessings. As a matter of fact, when um, Naaman tries to give him a bunch of things at the end, Elisha is saying, this is God gave you this. Just enjoy this is, is, is really the message to him. And, and he walks away with that. Um, he wanted to benefit, but not at the expense of his pride or self-reliance. But when he steps back that past that, what does he get? He gets healing, redemption, he's restored. And actually, if you read the rest of the story, um, after he dips himself in, he says in verse 15, he says, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Um, and he actually goes out and becomes kind of a messenger of the news of the king of, the, of God of Israel. Um, he's sent. He makes a difference. He becomes part of the restoring process that God wants to do in the world. Another, uh, another story is in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And you remember that story of Jesus who's preaching. They put him in the boat, and he goes out a little bit, and he finishes preaching. And then he says, you guys, take me out, and let's go fishing. Let's go out. And that's the story where Peter's going, we've been fishing all day, all night, or whatever it is, and there's nothing there, and we don't want to do it, and, but because you asked, we're going to go do it anyways. And they go out, and Jesus tells them to cast in their nets, and you guys know the story? They're, they're filled up so much that they're like breaking the nets, and the boats are sinking, and they're trying to grab it all in. And, and Peter falls at Jesus' feet um, in recognition of his need and his sinfulness. And Jesus raises him up, they go back to the beach, they have all this fish, and they walk away. They walk away with Jesus, they leave everything. As a matter of fact, as fishermen, they, they left their entire way of life behind them.
to follow him. And I was just thinking in terms of, of this issue of brokenness, um, Peter, we see, was a self-reliant man. And he's basically saying, we have done this all night. We have done everything we can in our power to catch fish. We know what we're doing, and it's not going to happen. It's just all self. It's just us doing it rather than trusting the Redeemer. And when these nets begin to break, they realize what? Just our gospel message? What was in their boat? There was a holy God was in their boat is what they recognized. And they were terrified, and they recognized their need. And in that recognition of need, then they're redeemed and picked up and restored, and they go out to a life that turns the whole world um, upside down. They leave everything, and they're sent out for, for impact. Stories of people that were self-reliant experiencing brokenness and how God opens it up. Um, I, I think I've shared a piece of this story before, but um, when we were in uh, Seattle, uh, we were... I, serving a church up there, and I I'm definitely um, grew up thinking every, the more you do, the happier God is. That's just how it works, and there's a checklist, and you fill the checklist, and I was pretty good at it, um, but it's, that's, that's pridefulness, that's self-reliance, that's independence, that's not dependence, that's not brokenness at all, um, and it's, it's, it's damaging to relationship with God and his work in our life. It looks very good on the outside, so nobody ever recognizes it, um, and you actually get encouragement to keep doing it, and I took that. But I had been living my whole life that way, and um, inside, I was just sick of it. I was just weary and tired of it. And whether I'm trying to make things happen or good or whether I'm struggling with sin, it was just me trying to make it all happen on my own. And I'd gone to, I, I just left work one day, and I think I've shared this, but I, I went and saw Braveheart, the movie Braveheart, so I don't remember what year this was. Um, a bloody movie, but whatever. Anyways, the scene where he's about to get killed and he screams freedom, it just pierced me. I sat there, I was sitting in this movie theater, it just pierced my heart. And the reason it did, it was there was inside of me, I desperately wanted to be free of the burden of self-reliant, just being self-reliant, having to make it happen. I just wanted just to be needy. I just wanted to be broken, and I just wanted to let God take care of it. That was, I didn't know that, but that was what was going on. And that when he screamed this out in the movie, I was just, I got up and my arms were shaking and my legs were shaking and I started to cry. And I got in my white Ford Ranger pickup truck and headed down Highway 99 in Seattle. And I started shaking. I couldn't drive um, and crying. So I pulled over in this McDonald's parking lot and I curled up on the floor around the stick shift because I didn't want anybody to see me. And um, I laid there for three hours just weeping and weeping, and weeping, and it was, for me, a beginning, a beginning point, a really a beginning point of, of beginning to step into that life, recognizing that we, we have his righteousness already, um, that we, we've already been received and embraced, and this um, living in a place of dependence, and I'm still struggling desperately all the time with that. That's an experience of brokenness, which is a really good thing, hard and painful and, and freeing, um, but I also say that shouldn't be the norm. What, what God really desires is that we live, um, you know, just dying for years and then breaking down, having God restore you a bit, and then moving on. That, I'm glad he did that, but that's not the way to live. It is not the way to live. It is not the kind of experiences technically we ought to be experiencing all the time. What he wants to do is he wants us to live day by day and moment by moment in a place of dependency with him. 
so that when he has to make these little corrections, they're really small, and they're not so painful. And we become really familiar with that place of dependence, and, and when that self-reliance shows up, we see it more quickly, and we cast it aside. And that's the place to live, um, so that he doesn't have to step in and drive us off the road or what he has to do to get us. Um, he wants to live and make those small corrections day by day by day. So we got a little chart here. I think um, Matthew 5, 3 says, brokenness brings blessing. So let me just walk us through this quite quickly. Um, this kind of takes the judges to thing and kind of walks us through what happens. Brokenness leads to faith. So when I'm dependent, um, then I have to trust God. And when he comes through, my faith grows because I realize, gosh, God works when I actually just fall upon him. So it brings faith. And as my faith grows... Faith always results in obedience. Faithful people that trust in God, the Spirit works through us, and there's obedience. And obedience brings blessing. The scriptures say it over and over again. Those who keep my commandments, those are the ones that love me, and we experience the blessing of God. And blessing brings abundance. So that looks really good, right? That's, that's nice. <laughs> that's a great cycle to be in. Um, what happens when we experience lots of abundance? What happens to us? We get self-reliant, don't we? We start thinking it's us. We start thinking we don't need the Lord. We, 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 we forget. The, the, the scriptures talk about remembers over and over again because that so abundance brings selfishness. And from Judges chapter 2, what happens after that? Selfishness brings bondage of some sort. Um, by the way, you can be bondage to really difficult, what we call like addiction sins, but you can be bondage just to hard work is a, is a bondage. Um, all different kinds of things. Bondage then brings what? brokenness. And he brings us back around again to faith again. Um, let me show you a different one. There's a better cycle because that you, we don't want to live on that whole cycle because it's painful. It is just painful. Praise God it's there because we all need it sometimes. The better cycle is this one. When we're experiencing um, abundance, uh, let's start with brokenness. We have brokenness and neediness that leads to faith. Faith leads to obedience. Obedience leads to blessing. And blessing leads to abundance. And what do we do? We experience we, we, we discover what it means to know what, we're, what it means to be dependent all the time. And rather than continuing down to the selfishness, we circle back in to, to brokenness again. If I'm experiencing and just coming to, before God, that's, which is why we're going to do this every single Sunday, over and over again, the gospel, I am needy. Reminder every week brings us back into that cycle. In the midst of abundance, I'm going, God, thank you. None of this would be without you. None of it. And we come back to that, and we have gratitude hearts of gratitude. We remind each other that God is at work in us, and we see it, and rather than moving into this place of selfishness, it just brings us, it just increases our faith, and increases the obedience, and brings us to blessing, and that's the cycle he wants, and that's a really good cycle. The hard part about it, it's hard to be dependent all the time. It's hard to live there. It is kind of hard, and it's hard to keep coming back there and going, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you over and over and over again. So a couple things in terms of taking this home with us. Um, one, um, develop a habit of thankfulness. Um, I've seen some people, you guys on, maybe it's Facebook or something, but people are seeing what they're thankful for. It's a good thing to be constantly, daily, saying something we're thankful for over and over and over again because it reminds us it's not us. It's God who does it. Um, second of all, there's um, on the table here and in the back, when you take communion, you can grab it. There's a, a sheet here. You, some of you have seen this before. It's... Um, put up by Nancy uh, DeMoss. Um, it kind of contrasts unbroken people with broken people. 
So take it as long as you don't use this to kill yourself and beat yourself up. If you read this and you feel like I'm worthless, that's not the intention. The intention of this is to help us to see, I need him. Because I do, I, do I always do all these self-reliant things. So God, I need you. He doesn't want to condemn us with this, but he wants us to be freed by coming going like this one. Uh, it says, uh, claim rights or yield rights. Going, I claim my rights all the time. Knowing that we're forgiven people and say, Lord, make me a person whose rights are yielded. That's being dependent. So you can use that if it's helpful for you. Um, and then uh, here's a prayer you could pray. Lord, in each day, do whatever you need to do to keep me living in dependence on you. And daily soften the soil of my heart for your spirit's work. And actually ask him to do that. Every day, God, do whatever you have to do today to keep me dependent on you and keep the soil of my heart soft for your spirit's work. And guess what? I think he answers that prayer. It's not always easy. But he does that because it keeps us in a place of blessing and work. John Bunyan says this. He says, for as to have a broken heart, he's referring to this neediness, is to have an excellent thing. To have a broken heart and neediness is to have an excellent thing. So Jerry, you guys could work your way up here. Um, we're going to, um, I'm going to play, we're going to play a short video just to help us kind of meditate on our need for him. And then I'm actually going to open up. I'll, I'll give us some direction, but we'll pray for a few minutes together, and then we will enter into our, our time with the bread and the cup. But let's go ahead and um, listen to this as a meditation. <laughs> 